Get ready to innovate and organize your workspace with Metro. As the industry leader in storage and distribution systems, Metro is here to transform and organize your kitchen. With their premium solutions, you'll experience the Metro difference. Metro's sturdy and versatile shelving units, workstations, holding cabinets, and utility carts are designed to streamline operations and maximize your productivity. Don't settle for imitators. Metro products last longer and offer unparalleled quality and durability. Plus, the many customization options ensure that your space is tailored to your unique needs. Hey, we use them here at Walk & Talk. Say goodbye to chaos and hello to order with Metro Shelving. Visit their website or contact them today to start designing your perfect space. Metro Shelving, your partner in organization and efficiency. Hello, food fam. This is the Walk and Talk podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Fiadini. We are podcasting on site at Ibis uh, Ibis Images Studios. Attention chefs and GMs and bar managers. Are you looking for a fantastic food photographer to capture your delicious dishes, cool cocktails, and your property's amazing architecture? Well, get with John Hernandez. Check him out at ibisimages.com. He is always in focus. It's election season at the ACF, and today we're going to interview Chef L.J. Klink. He's running for ACF, uh, the ACF Western Regional VP. Let's dig in, but first, attention all chefs and food buyers. Are you looking to improve your proteins program with quality and service by the best in the beef business? Reach out to Peninsula Food Service with 25 butchers on staff. Their services will dazzle you and impress your dining guests. Peninsula is the largest Creekstone farm distributor in the Southeast United States. Let the gang at Peninsula Food Service cut your beef burdens away. Ask about their dry age program. Look them up at PeninsulaFood.com. Uh, that's like a mouthful, man. Chef Jeffrey Schlissel, how are you doing, my man? Ah, uh, fantabulous again. Sir. I love it. I love it. I love it. Tell me more about food. You just know, jump in. Just jump right into the like the, the greasy goodness. Go. Oh, this this one is definitely up the uh, the realm of that because I just showed John the producer. Um, so we were talking about about a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Um, it was it was uh, cold that one day yes. for forty one degrees, and it shifted like eighty something. Right. So I was like, okay, it's gonna be cold out. I got to do something really cool. So I went back and uh, I did the chicken and dumplings. Nice. Yeah. So we blanched it a little bit of drum cream sherry. In that's the top. not the picture. You no, showed I know. Me. I know. I was showing right, okay. you something else. That right. was a picture of the person that's on the phone. Um, really? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. That's why I wanted to show it to you. Okay. okay. So, but the, the, what I love about the dumplings is that Does he know you have that sort of picture of him? It's from his Facebook page. Okay, okay. I would not do that to him. <laughs> just playing. All right, so all right, chicken and dumplings. What? So th- what I love about chicken and dumplings is how light, but how filling it is. But it's like that. It's food is something that's not only about just nourishment. It's about that transcending you to another realm or a memory of something. And I think the chicken and dumplings is just this wonderful thing that's a vessel that sends me back to different. It reminds me of a little bit of matzo ball soup. It reminds me of my journeys. It reminds me just of everything about, you know, that communal table that you're sitting down and having something to eat. You had me at um, chicken, you know, chicken and dumplings. And dumplings. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get, uh, let's get Chef uh, LJ on the phone. Chef, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. No, pleasure. Uh, appreciate you coming on. And to, all right, so why don't you give, um, first of all, have you cooked anything like awesomely delicious and sexy this week? And if you did, what is it? 
Yeah, actually, uh, we did an event last night where we did. Uh, it was a, a, a airline chicken with, uh, or and then we also offered a second on a Pacific um, salmon uh, wild troll caught beautiful piece of salmon, and we offered um, it with a wild rice quinoa medley. Um, some beautiful roasted asparagus, and we did it for about 70 last night. They got the choice of the beef or the chicken, and it came with a uh, kiwi pico and a berblanc were the two elements we put on it. Yeah, kiwi, and it was my chef de cuisine's idea that she's done it, and it it actually, I questioned it. I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, you just, it's like, you know, you put the tomatoes in there, but you put the kiwi in there too. And it, and I got to say it, it came out really well. And I'm going to probably use that and it, it further in my career again, it was the first time I saw it. So I, I love learning stuff as well. I think I can and get then, behind that. And then I, this, yeah, I, I actually, yeah. Want to get and, this, that. and this morning, yeah, <laughs> uh, we, uh, this morning we also did, um, the same group came in for breakfast and lunch and a beautiful, um, I'm in the Palouse of Eastern Washington, where a majority of America's lentils and, and chickpeas are growing. So we did a beautiful lentil soup, um, some uh, extraordinary sandwiches. And then uh, we also did a local chickpea uh, salad with champagne vinaigrette and roasted vegetables. That was just stunning. So that's in the last 15 hours. That's what food we put out. I love it. Anything that has to do with lentils, I have to have uh, pecorino romano cheese all over it and then i'll just eat the crap out of it and a side of italian sausage oh we yeah for sure yeah i mean we put the cheese out with it and uh, we have some beautiful cheese that we get in and we grate it up and put along with it and people just went nuts for it you know it was one of those where we're at the the last person and we were about out of lentil soup and you know sometimes you know, people have this adverse reaction to hearing about lentils, but uh, not today. They they ate it and they killed a big old pile of that cheese. I love it. You're saying all the right stuff. Okay, so um, let's take um, let's take a minute or so, minute and a half. Why don't you kind of give the audience a little background as to who you are, where you come from, what you do, and I think you've been on some shows and stuff. Why don't you get into that real quick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, so I've been in the industry for 30 years. I've been paying my bills for the last 30 years doing this beautiful craft of ours. And through that time, I've had the opportunity to do some really cool, badass stuff. And uh, from, I got to work in, you know, the family business, family had a restaurant for 38 years. I was a partner in, um, went to culinary school. My dad said, you're not going to F up my food costs. So you go do other stuff. <laughs> I went and did other stuff and came back as a, yeah, I mean, he's my restaurant owner, you know, it's like this young green culinary and you got to go figure it out somewhere else. So I came back to the family business and, and worked for the family for about nine years. I worked into a partnership role, um, decided to uh, that I needed to do more than just stay in Washington State. I needed to do more than just work for the family business, which we were getting great awards and, and we were doing wonderful stuff for, but it wasn't enough. And so I then uh, went and uh, kind of spread my wings as they say, and I ended up, um, I, I worked in Alaska for a family, um, a very uh, wealthy family up there as a private chef in their lodge. I cooked for uh, politicians, pro athletes, actors, um, a whole slew of people um, from all over the planet. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. We were um, in the middle of nowhere. We flew everything in. It was really high end. But at the same time, we we're fishing lodge and um, lots of wine. And we had a one of the most beautiful wine cellars, literally 70 minutes by plane away from the nearest village that had no 
no roads in or out. So I did that, had the opportunity. uh, I got asked to move back to Illinois and build a culinary school, was given a budget and an empty space. We built a culinary school and my goal was to graduate 10 students in three years. When I left at the uh, end of um, right at the end of four years of my tenure there, I uh, had graduated 52 students. And uh, it is an ACF program that is uh, very successful. Um, one of my instructors took over for me. He's a, he's an amazing chef, and he's been running it ever since and keeps growing on it. And that's uh, Richland Community College in Decatur, Illinois. So I was uh, the founding chef of that program. Came back uh, to Washington State. Well, I missed a spot. You asked me about the shows. So while I was doing that back there, I was asked to um, be the, uh, the, the noon goon. Um, chef that would fill in on slow news day. So uh, once a month, we'd, we'd sit and we'd do 30 or 40, um, two, three-minute cooking videos. Well, that got noticed by the Food Network as they were looking around, and they asked me to come and participate and work on some development of shows. Like basically um, come in, build a show, and then know that the show's never going to air but that they're getting developments to go out and sell the show. <laughs> and so that was cool. I'd done a little – yeah, I'd done a little acting. I'd done that. Well, I went and I did a couple a couple of projects, and then I got asked to be on Extreme Chef. And Extreme Chef was did a couple seasons. Reason they had a really hard time getting chefs after it aired because in the season I was in, we had um, I think three chefs went to the hospital. One chef, um, one chef almost drowned on set. And one that it was it was intense. It was ridiculous. It. Uh, um, I had, <laughs> I'm laughing well, I because like, how the hell does I, that I, happen? What do you mean that almost drowned oh, on yeah. set? You got, what do you think you're going to glaze, pass right by that and not get into it? What do you mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> so one of the things the glaze had to do, yeah, yeah, I like that glaze, yeah, mirror glaze. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, we had to gather ingredients. Now, my, my episode, I was put in a freezer and I was competing um, in a freezer all day and it was, it was cold. By the end of the day, I had hypothermia and frostbite. Um, I actually started to pass out in the final competition, the last round after four rounds of doing it, the the fire department got me out, got me blanket, got me some tea. I was ready to go, went back in and competed and won that episode. But the episode where the chef almost drowned, they were on a boat and they had to swim to shore with their ingredients. It was, it was just intense. And it was extreme chef named that for a reason. And, you know, out of all my certifications and badges of courage, I have to say that that show gave me uh, a fine look at what ex- being an extreme chef really is. And so it was a lot of fun, did that. And then while I did that, I was, I, I, I picked up other stuff and I actually, I, I actually got um, into acting um, due to that. I had um, got a couple stuntman roles and I was on Grimm, the NBC series as a, a stunt driver, taxi, creepy ta- taxi cab driver. And I was on a movie called Green Room that had a bunch of celebs on it and that was really cool. And I played, uh, um, a, a junkie guitar player from Portland. That was a lot of fun. So that was a feature film that I did. And then a whole bunch of other films and TV stuff I did from doing the TV competition. And right before COVID, I got asked to go on guys grocery game for extreme, uh, budgeting. So I went on there and I took second on, on that. And so that was the last cooking episode or cooking competition I did on air. And then you and somehow you mustered up the the chutzpah for for Jeff here to uh, to actually go back to the kitchen. Absolutely, absolutely. That's awesome. So, um, 
I am, you know, food is, food is my passion. It, it is something that drives me. If my, I feel my lot in life and I tell my, my uh, students and my cooks that, you know, this food is, food is a craft. It is a lifestyle. It's, and it's an obsession. It's a passion. It's something that we need for substance. It's something that needs to be respected and, and it needs to have the, the utmost care taken as we push into the future of what our craft is becoming through technology and through food sources and how that's all changed in the last 20 years. And in the last, you know, 20 years in this industry, um, I think it's, it's utmost important that we look at what our industry is and what we can do to push it beyond and further than it is and not get stuck and weighed down and where we are. So, okay. I, I, all right. All right. I love the energy. I, and you did some cool stuff. How, how do you, how do you take, how do you take that energy and bring it to the ACF? What do you do with that? Well, you know, first of all, the ACF, I really feel has given me opportunities that I would not have had. I, and, and I say that not, not maybe as verbose as, you know, somebody else would say, I say it as, it made me be better. It made me strive. It made me look at my certifications, my my skill set, how I was able to explain and work through what food is. So for me, the ACF is really, really important to my overall success and who I am as a cook. And I I, I would not be where I was at or where I'm at, if it wasn't for where I've been at with the ACF through all these years. I, I became a member, a student member when I was in culinary school. From culinary school, I kept that membership up. And like many of us ACF members, um, it wasn't all, you know, peaches and cream the whole time. There, there were times where I was, I was disappointed. I didn't like the direction. I wasn't um, involved in, in what was going on. And I, and I said, and, and I always always do what I say. If I say it out loud, that means I've made the commitment. And I, and I said to my sous chef one day, I said, you know what? Someday when I have the opportunity, I want to get involved more. That time came, I became local, um, local. Our chapter was struggling a little bit right before COVID. Well, I guess it was like 20, 2012, 2013. I became vice president of our chapter. I ran two terms. Um, our president at that time, a good friend of mine, a very amazing culinary and educator, um, successful chef from Detroit that lives now in um, Eastern Washington state. And he, um, he goes, we, we can bring our chapter back and we can get this. And we had our old guard that was stepping down and retiring and we filled the void where they were, they were exiting. And it was a, um, dynamic motion of where we, of where we went and what we did. And I believe that that same teamwork, that same honesty, that transparency, that direction of why are we doing and how are we doing what we're doing, I can bring to the ACF on a, on a Western Regional VP level uh, without a doubt. Are and you, for me, it's an important – oh, are, go ahead. Are you – but you're – are you a restaurant chef? Experience the perfect blend of culinary delights, entertainment, and education on the number one food podcast in the country, Walk and Talk Podcast. Join host Carl Fiadini and the amazing chef Jeffrey Schlissel. Feed your appetite. Find this podcast on Apple and Spotify. 
<laughs> I'm an everything chef. Uh, and so I say everything. I was restaurant chef for years. Right now, I am I am running uh, the uh, it's the Marriott Hospitality and Culinary Innovation Center at uh, uh, Washington State University in Pullman, Washington. We are a um, uh, dining room. We have student workers. We also have we also have cooks. So we do everything from catering to, to um, high end catering. Um, like what we've been doing the last couple of nights to having culinary classes. Right now we have an ACF um, apprenticeship program that we do as well out of here. So we do some education uh, that is just directed to, towards culinary. And then we also do um, our cooking. So in, in a 14 hour day, um, I, I teach for probably five, six of it. And the rest of the time we are producing food and um, creating memories in the dining room. So I'm looking at Jeff right now and that's kind of an anomaly, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a different. Yeah. Most of the people we've been doing, it's either they're a culinary instructor or working for a broadliner. I'm trying to think of some of the, or working right. for a manufacturer. Right. Um, not many guys right. are out there. They're doing their own catering. Like what, what LJ's repertoire is. That's pretty ama- That's pretty interesting actually. It's yeah. a, so chef, let me ask you, <clears throat> um, in terms of offerings from the ACF to an aspiring chef or a chef who's getting closer to retirement, what what's what is the benefit benefit for those two um, different different chefs, different stages of their career? Absolutely, for the chefs that are retiring and have spent their their time, their money, and their energy making the ACF great, uh, I believe. And I, I know full hardly that I can take what they have started and keep moving forward with it, keep building on it. Uh, I am um, I'm young enough to I'm young enough to be part of it and have the idea of that young culinarian and what they're looking for, because I work with young culinarians every day. Um, but then I, I also understand and appreciate where we are as as an organization and where we've gotten to. So for those chefs that are moving on out of their career and someday I look forward to retiring as well. Um, I hope that somebody will pick up where I had left off and moved forward. And for those young culinarians, it's all about, you know, really being the liaison between the, the older retiring generation and the younger and upcoming generation is showing that younger generation the importance of what we've done as, as, as an organization, important of what the chefs that are moving on have done and have created this, you know, we're a working living organization and we need to have every stages within that represented and appreciated and understood. And part of that's the communications and part of that is telling people where we've been so we can go to the next place. So what, wow, that's pretty good. All right. In terms of charities, um, and this is important to me and I'm a member so in terms of charities, when we're talking about like uh, substance abuse or mental health challenges about, mm-hmm. you know, w- within the food industry, with our people, our, our everyone mm-hmm. that we work with on a day-to-day basis, um, what do you think could be improved, f- you know, through, oh, the, my goodness. through the ACF in order to address some of those challenges? And there are big challenges, in my opinion. I, I agree with you. There are big challenges. And, you know, here's something that our industry, I, I believe, as a whole, made the mistake of having it be where um, having it be where we um, we just depended on our people to sacrifice themselves every day, day in and day out. And um, 
Don't and, we have to? Uh, but don't we have to? Because who uh, else is going to do it? Well, and that's always been the problem. Who well, shows up to do it? If you, if the other guy calls out, the I, guy that comes in is the one that has to bear the load. I mean, who else is going to do it? It, it, you, it, you're exactly right, and that that is something that that is something that we as an industry we have to address. But it can't start just with us cooks. It can't just start with the front of the house or the back of the house management. This has to be an industry across the board. And mental health, substance abuse. Um, Jeffrey and I have been on um, talks together about um, you know the mental health and and what that looks like to our industry, where it looks like where we're at now and where we need to get to. And with that, it's gonna take an all-out effort. It's gonna take our members saying this is what's important, and not just some of us, but dropping the ego of when it comes to you know what, if no one's gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Well. We need to figure out how to create an environment that allows us to um, keep healthy and, and keep moving in the direction of forward momentum instead of having these episodes and these breakdowns because we're exhausted, because we're overworked, we, um, we have nobody to depend on. And I think this is something that is, is a, a larger conversation within um our entire industry not just the acf we see it um I, i've had the opportunity to work with star chefs a little bit and sitting in the audience listening to panels of chefs that have struggled um right along they might have a michelin star couple of them but they have the same issues we have now they may not be our members but why can't why can't we have an industry standard of what it looks like and create an environment that leads to better health. And, and, and I, I know Jeffrey spends a lot of great time and through LinkedIn and it, it, it's dynamic because people don't hear that. They hear, Oh no, we're tough. We get in and we do it. And I deal with it with my younger cooks. They come in and they think that they have to be here. I had cooks last night that was in the kitchen with me till nine and they're back at 5.00 AM. They weren't even scheduled. They felt they had to. And I was like, why did you feel you had to come in? Well, because we knew there was an event going on. Well, great. But did you get any sleep? Yeah, chef, I got two hours. That's not acceptable. How long can you do this? Yeah, I get you're 21, 22 years old. But those are conversations. And we have to be better as the leaders of having those conversations with the younger chefs of saying, well, there is self-preservation. I actually, and and I, I, we'll move on to the next question. No, no, I wait, no, no, <laughs> stop. No, wait, wait, damn it, wait, stop it. Wait, you, you, need, it. you need to grab hold of that guy or gal or whoever the hell that is. You need to take them and you need to say, you're amazing. Number one, you're amazing. You came in on yep. your own accord to, to, to back up this building, this, this, yep. this thing we're doing. You need to get that person, put them on a pedestal and teach them everything. Number one. And then yeah, give them a couple of days and off. That's, that's exactly. That's, yep. but don't you, you know, listen, I wish I, I hire and fire people all the time. And I only, yeah. I when love, he pays them, when he when pays pay, them. Yeah. You know, that's another story. You don't count, buddy. <laughs> I'm, you know, I don't get paid. You don't get paid. So I'm talking about, you know, right, you. Pro, you know, professionally, yeah, professionally. Not, I right. You. I you know, this is not, not this, just, not, yeah. not this. Uh, Oops and giggles. Sorry. Right. No, but, the, but the truth is <laughs> if it, when I encounter somebody who puts in effort and gives just puts, puts the effort and cares. Oh my God, you, you need to take them and, and, and hold them close, coddle them, coddle them and teach them everything yes, and, and let them, let them burn out a little bit. They got to put in some work, let them burn out a little bit, but, but you need to make sure that you're, you're looking out for their, their long-term interest, you know? So if, if you, Absolutely. if you, if you break them up for three days, 
great. Give them a couple of days off, you know? Well, the, the other flip yep. side of it too is well, stop the glorification of what we do. This madness, and then right. we always and there's all these right. memes all over the internet. I think if we took a and I, I'll t- break away from the well, that's what was done to me, and that's my biggest thing with mental health. I don't know. I'll tell you something. I'm on the fence, and, I, and here's why. And here's here's something you always pers- are because you're like the devil's advocate. You and I, ah, <laughs> I know. Well, this is my own experience. Right. When I was at the the my previous company. I was working, dude, 17 hours a day, but I did that for exactly a year, every day. I didn't take a day (laughs) off, and I'm not exaggerating. I took no day off for 365 days, and I worked between 15 and 17 hours a day because that was what was necessary to build that particular, that, that, that business in that place at that time, and I did it, and I built the team, and I did a lot of stuff, and you know what? Um... That whole time I was doing it, I said to myself, look at me. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to be the badass I know I can be. Well, at the end of it, I was a pile of crap. I was a, I was a big pile right. of just nothing because it, 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 it took from my soul. Mm-hmm. With that said, once I, once I took the break, once I you know, got myself back together again, that is one of the that is one of my best accomplishments. I look back at that and say, "God, I can't believe I did that. Who the hell would do that?" And I did it. Right. I, okay. I don't want to make this about me. All I'm saying is, there's something to putting in that effort and giving yourself some of abuse, and then and then reeling yourself back in and looking in the back at what you did. That's all I'm saying. Sorry. Well, hey, and I, and I agree with you 100. percent I will. I would have not have done of all the things that I've done in my career if I didn't step up and put that effort out, but I've done those jobs as well, where you just kill yourself for it and you get done and you look back and you're like, you're like, okay, I did it. Why? And the over glorification, it, uh, it, it's out there. If you put work in somewhere like that, it opens doors. That's what it did for me. Like, for example, we wouldn't be sitting here doing a podcast. Now we wouldn't have a magazine. We wouldn't have shows. We wouldn't have any of this. Mm -hmm. It was because of that struggle that we're, that, this this thing has has presented you know what i mean so with that said you got to be careful because I, I i'll tell you i was a mess at the end of that i was a i was a mess i look back now yeah. level-headed got a direction have a great team things are moving forward different whole different uh well, yeah scenario whole, whole different world all right um absolutely i'm sorry for the tangent chef all right um all right all right we're back. no no that was great uh, all right, steps. Let's talk about the ACF. Let's talk about, uh, are there steps taken by the ACF to increase engagement with different cultures in the culinary world? Uh, are they effective? In other words, is the ACF embracing what's been happening over the last couple of decades with, you know, we've got a lot of folks that are coming in from, from other places and it's not traditional to see some of those folks in executive se- uh, executive chef roles uh, or getting that high into into the organization, and now it's happening, and it's awesome. Is the ACF positioned properly for that? I I believe at this time, uh, not as much as they could be, and this is this is something that we as an organization need to put some energy into, and not some. We need to put energy into it. We need to go to the 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 people that should be our members that aren't our members because we haven't reached out to them. And just like you said, there's people coming in to our industry that may not have um, come into our industry in years past, creating an environment 
that is um, inclusive. I, I know I, I've been in this industry and been part of the ACF long enough. There was a great amount of time where I always felt like the um, the outsider coming in that I was never um, it, it took many years before I felt like I was truly within um, the organization. And I don't know how to explain that anymore other than I don't want anybody else to, to come and spend their money within an organization and not feel that they have value in it. And that value is not necessarily always in dots and O's and dollar signs. That value is acceptance. It's, it's diversity. Our kitchens do, do not all look, our people do not all look the same. They do, do come from the same backgrounds and, and they need to be addressed in my kitchen right now, this morning. Um, I have a, I have a person from Guam that's working with me and of course, American, but a different culture, uh, different, different mindset than, um, my student that is from Seoul, Korea that works with me and, and is just, a phenomenal human just got done traveling with us. And then we have um, a couple of gals that, that are with us that, you know, come from my, my hometown area and have more in value with me. But we have this, this kaleidoscope of cooks that bring and offer so much. And we need to make it so they feel like they're part of what we do as an organization. It can't be, all right, someday I'll get to that level. Because some days after, someday after paying your, your dues and paying all that, sure. But we need to get them to a point where they want to continue, move forward and say, nope, damn it. This is my organization, too. And this is what we need to be successful. And so, no, the ACF has not taken the forward steps to make that be that. And part of that is we have the 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 group of chefs that are, nope, I'm going to work 16 hours a day and I'm going to kill myself and do this. And, you know, if you can't do it, you're weak. And then we have. The other chefs that are like, oh, I'm not part of the organization, so where do I have a say? And that um, we need to be listened to the people that don't feel they have a say because they truly do for us to be successful. <clears throat> well, so that's a that's a terrific answer to a segue that's uh, coming up here, which is um, how – so when you're talking about students and you're talking about the ACF and you're talking about um, voting rights and stuff like that, how does that fit into mm -hmm. this? How does that how does that fit into the equation? So, well, I, I think it needs to I know it needs to all be looked at. We need to create a process within the organization where we really bring that student population. I know for so long it was like, oh, you know, we um, were I, I believe when I was a was a student culinarian for the ACF, I couldn't even vote at all. If I remember right in the mid 90s and at least. I didn't know how I could vote or say it that way. Uh, but, you know, we need to we need to uh, we need to address what the student population, because those, those that's our that's our pipeline. That's that's who's filling it. And my students alone, they they think it's really cool. I have the certifications I have and the and the experiences I have. But to get them to invest their money, um, it, it's it's. It's a conversation that it shouldn't be as big. It should be they want to be part of it, not why should I be part of it? And we have to prove that and, and create an environment that creates the want, not the why do I need it, but the why don't I have it mentality. Well, that's true. And what also uh, plays into this is that in our current environment, in the world today, you've got a lot of culinary programs that are closing, right? And or in yes. the process of closing and, and it's and it's rough out there. So 
how can educators help encourage students to part, uh, you know, student participation um, in the ACF? How do they, how do they do that? How do they put everything together? How do they put that together? Attention chefs and food buyers. Are you looking to improve your proteins program with quality and service by the best in the beef business? Reach out to Peninsula Food Service. With 25 butchers on staff, their services will dazzle you and impress your dining guests. Peninsula is the largest Creekstone farm distributor in the Southeast United States. Let the gang at Peninsula Food Service cut your beef burdens away and ask about their dry-aged program. Look them up at PeninsulaFood.com. Wow, that's a that's a huge question. Um, we don't mess around here on the Walk and Talk program. Co- <laughs> you don't. Um, so I think for culinary educators, for me, it is really important to show them what my my membership means to me, what it means to be part of a collective of like minded cooks that are um, using the organization to prove their skill sets a lot. I just, the conversation I had with a young chef this morning, uh, he's going to be, he's got a computer engineering degree next month and he, he wants to be a chef. And and (laughs) did you tell him, did you tell him no run away, run, go the other direction, get the hell out of here. I, I, I kind of did because I felt really guilty. Um, and that he knows my story a little bit that, you know, I, I went to culinary school because my folks couldn't send, afford to send me to college. And so I could paid I could have paid myself through uh, culinary school, which I did. But then I wanted to be an attorney. So I, you know, I I worked up and applied for law school, did my LSAT, got accepted and said, no, I want to be a chef. And I've told him the story that's, you know, sometimes I question, you know, an attorney would have probably been a little smarter of a move, maybe, but I I feel I can help more people in the job I do. I have a great respect um, and passing on information um, to people. I I just feel honored that I get to to do that. And so talking to him today, I'm like, dude, now you got to ask yourself some questions. What do you want out of life? And he's like, I want to be an executive chef. And I'm like, okay, there's some steps you need to take. How do you want? He goes, I, I want to really prove that I am, I am the, I am as good as I know I can be. And I said, well, with that, with that, you, you, you know, there's some things, there's some competitions, there's some things. What do you need for me to help? And I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm the, the chair on our local chapter for our certification um, in my ACE, um, my um, ACF apprenticeship program that I'm running. I have uh, three students that are preparing to do their certified sous chef. They're just finishing up on the time that they are in there. And I have one student that's going for his um, certified chef de cuisine. He's an adult learner that's come back and um, they all are going for those steps because they've seen the value that I've had in it. And as a culinary educator, though I play, I stand in the world of education and in, in dining or in, you know, feeding and dining room and stuff that, that is how a culinary educator does it. it not just by words but by actions and by having the conversations taking the time to say hey here's what i've done 
it hasn't been perfect, but here's what's got me to this level. And I have no qualms about saying that the ASCF has made me become the chef I wanted to be. And I would may have not even had the opportunities to get to the levels that I have if it wasn't for the, the people within the organization that has mentored me and has guided me down the direction. I have, I have many chef friends on the East coast. We've never worked in a kitchen together, but we have, we have conversated time after time, Jeffrey being one of them over what makes our industry great. Um, what, what makes um, our craft amazing and honorable. And those are the pieces that need to be had with culinary educators and their students, because if we don't have those conversations and we don't prove what's important about what we do, then th- then it all is all lost and it's all for naught. What and state so are you in? Educators must, what state are you in? I'm in Washington State. You're in Washington, Washington State. Washington State. All right. So we're, first of all, love it. What, what we're going to do, okay, uh, what we're going to do. And first of all, by, let me back up. Road trip? Second. Yeah. No. No, no, no. <laughs> so let me back up. Yeah, come on you're, up. You're echoing, you're echoing a lot of what... I've heard uh, from some of the other um, um, people running, other chefs running uh, this, this, this election cycle. And, but really what it comes down to, like you just said, is action, right? And, and it's action, and it's, action. it's coming up with a, a, a summary of necessary, I, you know, come up with the ideas and then come up with the action plan to execute those ideas and and damn it, I'm telling you now. I like I don't know what number is this. Is it, how many ACF? Uh, There's like six, seven. I don't know. Something. Yeah, I lost count. By the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm 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 a new member, but I've been dealing uh, in and around the ACF, um, you know, chef uh, pool for uh, decades. And I mean, like, you know what? I'm going to do something. I'm going to bring you you people together. I'm going to make sure things happen because at the end of the day, it's really just like. What do we need to do? This, this, and this? Great. Let's do it. Come on. Let's make this happen now. Yep. And not pussyfoot around. We don't need seat warmers. No, you don't need a seat yep, warmer. We don't need seat warmers. Right. No, man. This is, this is, <laughs> this is not right. So, um, but in terms of you never worked with uh, Jeffrey? Not in the kitchen. Not in the kitchen? Not, n- not formally in a kitchen, mm-hmm. no. Oh, man. There's a lot of people that haven't worked with me in a kitchen. And, and when we do, they're kind of new, amazed. I see a new show coming up here. Yeah. ACF. No, a- ACF chefs. Like, and, and we can, th- this is formulating right now. Oh God. Uh, Where are you going know. with this? No, I mean, listen, no, we'll put, we'll put you, what you probably don't know, chef is that, um, so the walk and talk podcast is, is one component of a larger food industry media platform. Okay. We have a magazine. It's called the restaurant life. We have two shows that we put on. One's called restaurant recipes where, you know, we'll actually give chefs a show, restaurant recipes with Chef Jonathan Rodriguez, for example. Or, you know, and then we also do um, the Dirty Dash cocktail hour. So we'll go to a hotel or a restaurant bar, a nice one. And we, you know, we, we feature, you know, the, the bartender and, and whatever. Long story short, um, we're, we're seeing a lot of success in it and a lot of activity, a lot of follows, all that, all that good stuff. But, um, but this is kind of what we are. And, you know, being part of this election um, cycle in terms of the, the interviews I'm doing with the chefs and everything, I feel compelled to like, Hey, let's, let's, let's highlight some of the ACF chefs. You know, I, I have not been disappointed with an interview yet. And, you know, and, and mm-hmm. honestly, 
I was thinking I was going to run into stuffy, some stuffy chefs, and I haven't. Not none, none of them. So I feel like, hey, you know what? Uh, we have this platform, Jeffrey, and you know, Jeffrey, you're an amazing chef, and and you're part of the ACF a long time. You're a great conduit for this. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Um, you chef. We're going to get you over here and we're going to do some cooking and we're going to film it and it's going to be badass and we're going to do it with the other chefs too and we're going to promote the ACF. So we're trying to get um, the walk and talk actually out to New Orleans for the national convention. I don't know if you're going to be there, LJ, but it, this is one of my ideas is to get us there so that we can actually start doing exactly what we're, we're talking about as, as the members walk by talking about national convention, but also telling their story and having a little excerpt there so that they can highlight themselves. So I'm, I'm working on that. And, and LJ, listen, awesome. just, well, just, just so you know, dude, um, uh, this is the probably the first episode. Of, I don't normally get involved this deep in the conversations, um, but I'm, I'm, I, I feel can tell you he doesn't usually. He just asks the questions and looks at me and goes, do you have anything to add? Right. So, but I, but I feel energy and <laughs> true story, but I feel the energy and I feel like there's some, some synergies there and that we can do some stuff together. It, it, and, and I feel that way with a bunch of the, um, the chefs that we've spoken to so far. I feel like there's an opportunity to build the A because everybody wants to build the ACF mm-hmm. and, and, and clearly there are some challenges going on that could be easily remedied. But the, the bottom line is it's always about, Hey, how do we get more people? How do we get how do, mm-hmm. you know, new members? Definitely. Right. So, yep. and at For this, sure. and at this stage, I've heard it enough times and you know, it's all, it's fallen on your shoulders here now, LJ, but um, yeah, we can make some really interesting things happen. Right. So I didn't mean to sidetrack you. you. Know this what? is your I, show, man. Like I, this, this is not about walk and talk or no. me or whatever, Jeff, it's about you. So forgive me. Hey, I'll just, I'll just say, I absolutely love Florida. I was down there twice this last year and um, I'll be happy to come back and uh, cook and go out. And I've got I kitchens, have, um, I've know, got product. And, I've got everything that we need to yeah. do to do what we got to do. Here. Actually, you have hotels. I know. Like the Tampa hotel and yeah. uh, Sally Mar. I know, man. So we, we can definitely find them a really nice spot. LJ, I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. I, we're big, no, <laughs> if it wasn't for Jeff and John, everyone, I, I'm really nah, it's, that's all on you, man. Yeah, it's not me at all. All right. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I would be happy to do something on that. That would be that would be a kick in the pants. And yes, um, I plan to be in New Orleans. Uh, I fly in on the, the 15th of July. Just Board so of Governors, you know. right? You got to be there for the Board of Governors. Yeah, I'd, um, yeah, that's that's the plan. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna be there and be part of that, and we'll see if if I get um, the nod and uh, well, to humbly serve the ACF as the Western Region, then yes, that's um, that will be a really big a big thing. Well, LJ, let's give them something to talk about here. So let's finish up on. The, I have a few more questions. Let's do that because I again I didn't want to bogart it, but I felt compelled to to kind of jump in there. All right. <laughs> Um, over the past couple of decades, we've seen a remarkable rise in the number of female chefs in the food industry. Uh, and I know that from my own yes. experiences in just being in kitchens for the last 30 years, it's not as taboo as it used to be. Um, but what's oh, the, yeah. yeah. So sure. what's the best way for the ACF to foster uh, more of an inclusive atmosphere as a whole for, for the female chef? Well, uh, it comes down to uh, the males being acceptant of it. I re- I'll never forget it. I was I was in culinary school thirty years ago, and 
um, there were conversations about being more female chefs. Now, my mom was a pastry chef for uh, almost 38 years. And so I watched the struggles and the misogyny and the crap that went on in her career as I was building in my own career. And having a, a, a strong chef in the family that was female and didn't um, and didn't let that that world, that non-accepting, non-inclusive world with being a female within it, scare her to, and so she was able to be successful. Not everybody's willing to sacrifice their energy and time to do that, and so that means that as an organization, we we've got to look at that. We right now have a an amazing female chef that runs our organization. She is she should be looked at as an example. For um, young female chefs coming up, I actually turned on one of my my pastry um, leads onto um, who she was. She'd never heard of her, and now she's like following the ACF election race now online and on Instagram. She's on her Instagram, and it just it connected. And I think for us us males that have female chefs, we need to connect our female chefs with other female chefs, other strong women that that can help them feel connected uh, as as much as i mean I'm, I'm a father of a daughter i have an amazing wife um, my my chef de cuisine's female my pastry chefs are all female i've got like four males out of out of all my cooks that that um are surrounded by amazing strong women that can cook and can hold their own day in and day out and that needs to be celebrated and it needs to be a conversation with within us the the dominant male species in the kitchen to help our female chefs have that connective um, moment with another female chef. I know for for my mom it was she was always amazed. She wasn't she didn't go to culinary school. She grew up in the you know old school school of hard knocks in the kitchen doing that. And um, she when she got towards the end of her career, she was amazed that she was celebrated in what she did. And for me, that that was really big to see that for all those years and all the desserts she made, all the people she made happy, the thing that she was very proud of was the people that she was able to maybe not inspire to be a chef, but inspire to be a strong, honest, integrity-driven person. And I, I don't care if you're male or female, we need to have mentors. But, you know, if we have female chefs that are successful, we need to help them find or help our young culinarian females find them to to be inspired and i watched that just just happen with uh, president kbb the um and this whole election thing was one of my students just she connected with her story connected with what she's done and was absolutely I, I i didn't even expect it i was just talking i said oh you know this this and this and she's like oh my gosh tell me more tell me more. She goes, how do I connect with her? And I said, uh, she's on social media. She's got this. And so for me, that female connection of what is needed needs to be there. And they need to know that, that there is a respect and an honor that they have that I know wasn't always there in, in years past in our industry. Here, here. Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> let me ask you this. Actually, here, here's what we're going to do. We're uh, 47 minutes in. Um, Chef, I want you to talk a little bit. I want you to talk about your leadership skill and what you see bringing, how you see bringing yourself to the table and making a difference. And, and that's going to basically, we're going to, we're going to close out on, on that. So why don't you go ahead and get into that? Absolutely. 
So uh, not only have I been a culinary leader um, through for, you know, uh, you know, 20 solid years in a, in a lead chef position, executive chef position, uh, that that's not enough to make you a good leader. Just like in cooking, we need formal, we need formal training for our skill set. And that's something I saw was very important. And in 2004, I went back to school, got a master's degree in organizational leadership from Gonzaga University. Um, with that, I put a certificate of servant leadership on top of it. And then I did. Did what? Did you still there? Chef. Uh, uh, and then, yes, I'm here. I'm here. Um, and with that, I I went and lived with monks and saw how monks take their organization and live. And for me, and for me, having that formal training with my years of experience and knowing that this is not ego driven, this is driven for this is driven for the right of the organization and the might of our members. And that's through integrity and through honesty and doing what you say. I, I love that. I, I absolutely love it. And we're going to pick up on the monks thing too. I just want to thank you for being on the show. Chef Jeffrey, you're awesome. John, you. Mr. Producer, you're <clears> awesome <throat> as well. Um, we're going to pick this up, uh, LJ. All right. I just want to tell you that. All right. We are out. Thanks for having me. Let me tell you about my friends over at Citrus America and their amazing juicing equipment. They're revolutionizing the way you enjoy freshly squeezed juice. They're at the best hotels, restaurants, and markets. Their mission is simple. Develop a unique consumer experience with on-premise juicing, deliver healthy taste options to clientele, and juice more faster. It's that easy. Citrus America supplies the highest quality juicing equipment and solutions in the industry. So whether you're a small business owner or a large corporation, Citrus America has the right juicing equipment for you. Find out more at citrusamerica.com.